You're listening to The Photography Show. This is episode 15 for January 24th, 2011, Suicide Wine. It sounds so weird, man. They're like, like it's like a suicide wine. <laughs> <laughs> I did that tonight at Payway. I mixed uh, uh, lemonade and, uh, <laughs> and Sprite. <laughs> Like what are you ten? <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome back, everybody, once again to another episode of the Photography Show with Wade Griffith and Ted Forbes. Hello. And Suicide Wine. Suicide Wine is Ted's <laughs> new nickname. Would you mix lemonade and Sprite? Lemonade and Sprite at Payway tonight because I'm ten years old. Man, you did say you were going to rhyme, and you just did again. I know. I can't stop rhyming it's all like day long. And I've been talking in, 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 yeah, Dr. Seuss rhymes. It's weird. So this may be a, the, the oddest podcast yet. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. I had a full physical the other day at the doctor, and I think they may have, uh, when they were taking my blood, they may have gone ahead and put something back in. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to put back same. into the community. <laughs> I haven't been the same. <laughs> hey, you're not withdrawing blood. That's heroin. Is it a clean bill of health? I mean, how are we doing? I'm doing okay. They said I can Good. continue. I can continue this show. Oh, oh, excellent! Yeah, they gave you clearance. Well, the day that I, it's just the Ted Forbes um, photography show. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. We'll know that maybe things went downhill. Yo, that'll be the day things go yeah. way downhill. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and just say bye now. Well, they, I think there right was. Now, as of right now, I'm good. We did the the State of the Union, or we I did like yeah. Long time ago, and yeah, it's a snoozer, but you know, what are you can do. <laughs> um, so, we're gonna do something a slight bit different today. Oh, well, first of all, let me remind people, um, that they need to email us questions because we're gonna, yeah, nobody's emailing the questions. Well, they may have, I haven't checked it in a few days, Ted. I know it's 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 poor form, but you know, oh man, yeah. you can you can tell the level of of uh. Profession, <laughs> professionalism. Email me your questions. <laughs> really, I'll look okay, at Okay, first of all, we haven't checked the email, even though you may have emailed us. There's probably like 50. I hate email, at, dude. Or at least two, and they're both probably um, condemning us for something. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that today, we really don't have a topic, but we want to do a show, and so we have – uh, tidbits of things we're going to mesh well, together. Hang on, that's not fair. We have tidbits, but but we're going to try to be a little more improvisational. Yeah, we, we, yeah, that's what we've been doing lately, and it seems to work. So it's it's kind of working. Well, Welcome and we to another night at the improv. <laughs> we do know we're doing this. We're starting backwards today because you know something I wanted to discuss um, was has to do with um, with with my pick of the week. What is it, Ted? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Um, now, my pick of the week. Uh, first of all, let me let me back up. Your pick of the week last week was the documentary "Smash His Camera." Yes, uh, guys, I, I watched this almost twice. It is so freaking good. It's it amazing. is good, isn't it? It's, it's funny. so awesome. It's kind of sad. It's and, and if you're a photographer, you'll love it. I mean, it's it's totally. I mean, yeah. You said the thing about prop. Paparazzi and paparazzi's changed so much from when he started. And what's his name? Uh, Ray Gaiala, is that right? Yeah, his hard last name's hard to pronounce. Gaiala, yeah. Uh, and I've known who he is. I didn't realize that's who it was about. And I was watching it. And his famous shot is the shot 
he got of Jackie O. And of course, in the 80s, he became famous because they were suing one another because he, <laughs> his methods of like stalking her pretty much were. But, you know. And he um, did kind of stalk her. Yeah, he, he did. He, he did hide out in, uh, in bushes in the park and stuff and would pop out when her children and her would ride by on bikes and stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. But he's such a – the thing is, is you hate the paparazzi, really. Everyone kind of does. But when you watch this show, it's hard not to like this guy. Oh, he's really. so lovable. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah. And that's why I texted you and you said, he's such a nice, lovable guy. And I said, well, just wait. It's a love-hate thing. Yeah, I texted him halfway really through the, the film thinking, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And it really is. It's a really well-done film, too. Um, yeah. I, I, sometimes with documentaries, you don't know which way they're going to go. And uh, so, anyway, so it, when I was watching this, it was fueling my thirst for more photography dork videos on Netflix. And so, <laughs> anyway, it took I've, a while. I've watched them all, so well, all right, I, I continue to watch them all. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, no, it's 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 quite well when they're done well. It's like like if you haven't seen the Ani Leibovitz, you got to see that. That's an easy one to find. But there was one that I found that I almost didn't watch because there was something kind of weird and snooty about it. But anyway, it's it's. Um, it ended up being really good. It's it's called Rock Prophecies, and it's a documentary about uh, a photographer named uh, Robert Knight, who has been a very famous, well known um, music photographer since since the '60s. He did some of the famous shots of Jimi Hendrix. I, I'll tell you, he and his wife have a business together. She shoots also, and they are the exclusive photographers for Guitar Center. So if you've ever driven by a Guitar Center and you see the um, the photos on the outside, and some of them are Jimi Hendrix and Jeff Beck, and he did oh, all those, those are all theirs? they're all his, yeah. All his, wow. Yeah, and then, then she does, like, when they do catalog stuff and they're shooting artists in guitar centers, then uh, she helps out and, and does some shooting herself. She's very good That's also. That's pretty funny. That's it's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, they've got an exclusive arrangement with Guitar Center. And, and this is a guy who just loves music. And, you know, they kind of start out with his history, and he grew up, and he was hanging out with some guys, and they were in bands and stuff, and they didn't want to hang out with him anymore because they didn't think he was really an artistic kind of person. And it really, you know junior high kids can be mean and right. you know, really affected him and and uh, just in hanging out with bands and stuff he ended up really deciding he had this talent for photography and and um you know just kind of went around shooting people and he, he caught led zeppelin before they were known jimmy hendrix before he was known i mean it was amazing he wow. lived in england and anyway so well, um, yeah some of the uh the best uh, music photographers in the world are, are people who are ex-musicians themselves or musicians oh, themselves. sure because of the passion they have for music. Yeah, I mean, and it's just it's, right it's, it. it's somebody who, who, I mean, I started out as a guitar player when I was a kid, and there are a lot of parallels creatively between the two. I mean, you're dealing yeah, with well, sound both, on one end. They're both but, artistic mediums, for sure, yeah. yeah you know, you, composition, it's just visual instead of, you know, aural, and same, you know, with a lot of other things. But, Did you just say oral? Uh, aural. <laughs> aural. I'm, I'm, you know, anyway. Um, so, but anyway, this thing starts out, and, and I kind of, you know, you see him in the leather jacket and this beret, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to be full of himself. And he's talking about shooting this famous concert. I am going to spoil the first 10 minutes of this video, but it's you know, the other two hours you're into, but because I think it sets the tone for what we were going to discuss a little bit. But um, anyway, so he, uh, you know, he's talking about this concert in the early 90s, and there's, you know, 50,000 people there, and he's the only photographer. Anyway, he's talking about Stevie Ray Vaughan's final concert. And, Anyway, so he was talking about it. He went back to the hotel. He heard there was a helicopter crash. They hadn't confirmed whether any of the, 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 the musicians were in the helicopter or who it was. And Anyway, he said all of a sudden the phone starts ringing off the hook, and it's Rolling Stone, and it's all these music magazines that want to buy the photos because he was the only guy who shot it. And he said for two years he wouldn't sell them to anybody because he was such a friend to Stevie Ray's. He, he couldn't exploit a friend's misfortune is the way he puts right. it. And I, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm back into this because, like, 
he did the right thing. I mean, that's so awesome. You know, yeah. the guy yeah. could have banked on that and he wouldn't a do it. A photographer with morals. They're rare. <laughs> well, musicians with morals are pretty rare. Oh, musicians too. with morals too. Yeah, both. <laughs> Either way. But it, it is interesting. And he was very good friends with Stevie Ray Vaughan. But anyway, he said, and this is what sets the tone for this and what I wanted to kind of discuss in here today. Um, but he, he says, uh, as he's, you know, he was saying goodbye to Stevie Ray after the concert. He said Stevie was getting on this helicopter and he said, you'll know me when you hear me. And he said, it was probably just something goofy he was saying, but there's this prophetic kind of, uh, you know, tone to that. And he says, as a result, like one of his challenges is he's always looking for who's going to be the next Stevie Ray Vaughan or the next Jimi Hendrix. And so he spends a lot of time, uh, taking photos of unknown bands and kids and trying to promote and, and come up with, sure. stuff. it's very interesting. Wow. Um, and it, what's really cool is like there's some major uh, guitar players that are interviewed in this documentary. You know, Steve Vai, um, Jeff right. Beck, who do, never does interviews. So if you're a guitar player, it's worth it for that alone. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all these guys are kind of talking about where they came from and how they're trying to strive to achieve greatness. And it's interesting when you, especially somebody like Carlos Santana or Jeff Beck, who you think of as having achieved some kind of greatness, for them to be humble and say, no, man, I'm always trying to like forget what I did yesterday and do something new. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for anybody as a photographer or, or anything creative, I think it's it's almost like the stone of Sisyphus or the, the carrot that dangles, you know, you're never going to get there. You never arrive, you know. Right. But yeah. what is that path? And it's different for all of us, you know. Yeah, I saw a quote on Twitter today by someone and it said it was just a, a comedian and he just said, um, I'll be happy when I'm famous. Which we all, yeah, I mean, really. he's being sarcastic, obviously, but that's the truth. And I mean, uh, that's, that's what a lot of people, even though they don't say that, maybe think like, we all do. I'll, you know? I'll be happy when I'm this, at this level. When I have uh, 37,000 followers on Twitter, I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll happier. I'll be happy. And then yeah. when you get there, you're like, no, maybe if I had 38. <laughs> no worries, 87 now. Yeah. But, or when you have $38 million, you're like, but what if I had $39 million? You know, that's exactly what it is. You know, yeah. you can always go further. It's like when, um, you know, I'm a baseball fan, a fan right. of the baseball, the greatest game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anyway, but, uh, you know, when you hear these, this, these pitchers that are like, you know, talking to different teams and, and like it's coming down to who's going to offer them 10 million more and they're already making 37 million for the next seven years. I can't yeah. fathom what that big pile of money looks like. I can't either. Or why it would even but matter. But I know I'll be happy when I get there. Well, that's what it, it's it's one big pile of money and a bigger one over here. In fact, that's I got to go right now. I'm about, I'm going to go throw some balls in the backyard real quick just to <laughs> this photography thing. It's been a slow January. <laughs> I'm so like, I got to have I got to have a backup plan. <laughs> Pitching might be for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a professional photographer slash professional baseball pitcher. Dude, if you can half pitch, you can have a set career in yeah. the game of baseball. I'll, I'll gladly ride the bench. <laughs> I'll just take pictures. The problem like, with me is I'm a famous bench photographer. <laughs> I'm about you know 15 years too old myself, but the oldest the living oldest, pitcher. <laughs> the oldest pitcher slash photographer in baseball. <laughs> He's taking pictures in the dugout. <laughs> Anyway, what was the name of the documentary? I want to watch. The documentary that. is called uh, "Rock Prophecies." Um, Rock Prophecies, yeah, because that sounds super cool. It is. Uh, I, I really, it, it's it's awesome. And the dude is very likable. He's very cool. He's he's just a big music fan. And you know, I think kind of what you could take away from somebody like him is he's doing what he loves. And I think right. that's the most important thing. You know, it's, I told you earlier I had lunch with a friend of mine today who's a photographer, and we were talking about you know work being a little slow at times, and yeah, you know, the way the economy's gone, and. Right. And, you know, he made the comment to me, he said, you know, 
people think that like if I'm not shooting pictures, I'm just sitting around and you know being a professional that shooting pictures is maybe 30%, 20% of what you do all day. There's right, a lot of paperwork, right. a lot of scouting, things like that. And he said that, you know, even when the times are lean, even if it's just his iPhone and hipstamatic, it's like he's doing what he loves. And I was totally. like, oh, that's what it is. You know, that hits home with me so much right now. Cause we, we were just talking before the show and I was saying January is a very slow time of year for me. And, and now that I've been in business for a little over two years, I've had two Januaries that I've gone through right. before this one and they were slow. And the first times that they came around, I was like in panic mode. Like I had a, a red siren going off in my room and I was just running around the room in circles and tearing down wallpaper and stuff. And <laughs> it was, it was a terrible time, Ted, oh, but this I time, <laughs> this January has been really slow. So far, and um, I'm not like that. You know, I'm like I'm I'm patient, and yeah. um, and I know that this has happened before. That this is a slow month for, for for at least the kind of photography that I'm in 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 the state and city that I'm in and whatever. And um, that I had a great November and December and stuff, and that then things will come back around you know, probably next month and and uh, start kicking into gear again. But those yeah, those are things that you have to get used to. Um, it's the when, ebb and flow, it, 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 and it could be photography. It could be really any kind of freelance business you have when you have a freelance business. No matter what, things are gonna yeah are gonna be slow at times, and those are those are times though that you can either worry the whole time and mm-hmm. waste the whole thing, or, or quit or whatever. This you know that's the, that's the times that people do those kind of things, panic, or you can use them like your friend said for the for the for the better. And for me, it's like okay, this is downtime, yeah. so. What do you do in downtime? And um, I think that's a great topic within itself. Is is you know what sure. what you can do that's positive in your downtime. I know for me that um, I, for one, I've been doing just a lot of shooting, um, like taking little road trips and doing stuff with my family and friends and stuff like that, and shooting on my own with my iPhone and with my camera. But stuff that's been more personal projects, uh, which when you're real busy, you don't have time to do. Right. But that's some of the stuff that can be super refreshing. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I think what's interesting, what you just hit on too, is it's like it seems so obvious of what you do with downtime. Because when you don't have any, you, you, you've planned it all out. I know exactly what I'm going to do when I get some downtime, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Whether it be a new project, you could shoot stock photos, you could, you know, try something new, take a class, you know. But then when you get to downtime, sometimes there's a panic that comes with it because there's no money coming in. Right. And uh, <laughs> so all and, of a sudden, and, and it's you like. Want, you want the money to come back in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, when I freelanced, it's amazing what. You'll mentally come up with to feel like you're busy, you know. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna check email over and over for the next five minutes, and yeah, and you can really get into those bad habits. Oh, if it's you don't, awful. If yeah. You let yourself, especially now with all the social networking and stuff. Um, there's there's good social networking stuff that you can be doing to better your business. Um, and I've been doing some of that, like with LinkedIn lately. I've been going through all my contacts, and then there's always the 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 uh, the category of people you might know. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going through some of those and really discovering some people that I kind of know through other people that I had just kind of overlooked before. And um, you could, you're able to since since you know they're like a second uh, second I don't know removed person from you or right, whatever. Right, right. You can contact them. You know that allows you to contact them. And so I've been contacting some of these people lately and just kind of letting them know who I am and what I do and how I how I don't really know them but I know them through you know the person that we both know or whatever and and uh I've been doing that for just a few days now and been getting some great responses and that was like something that I've never really hit on before yeah, and, and I never is, really, good. another little avenue that I've never even taken but you get creative when um when there's when there's downtime like that you know of well, okay I got to try 
something new because well, another thing that helps to like mentally offset that a little bit too um that really used to bother me it's hard to get used to but you've got to realize it's like gardening you know you've got to plant seeds and they're going to have to grow you're not going to get a job that afternoon i mean you think first of all they got to need the photographer and then you're yeah. going to have to do the job after you spec it and then you're going to have to turn it in then you're going to have to get paid so it could be like even if you had it that day it would be months before you saw anything come back from it oh yeah yeah so if you're that Definitely. slow um you know, that's why it's panic mode, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, it's like planting a seed and going, where is the plant? <laughs> the plant! But you also do need to remember <laughs> that, that when you're um, having busy times, too, it's best not to blow all of your extra money on that new lens because, you know, right. yeah. uh, you're going to need it during a slow month. Or what I had last week was I took my car in for its annual inspection and oil change and uh, $1,600 later. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, it was. It Cars was, are really the worst. Every oh time God, that happens to me, I like contemplate getting a bike. <laughs> no kidding! <laughs> I hate having a car. I mean, I, it's like just the Dallas upkeep. isn't a city that we can really do that though. We have to have a car. No, and but if, it, if we didn't have to have one, we wouldn't. Well, my car's ten years old, so I mean, it's like all stuff like you know, you need new gaskets, new belts, and and then they come up with stuff like you need a carbon canister and you need a new Johnson rod. And, oh, hey, nope, but we're, we're gonna have true. to repaint this thing, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, we highly suggest, sir, that you know. I know, and it's <laughs> like I don't know enough you about it. Got a new it. steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we really have to replace? Oh yeah. Well, you know what annoyed me is I kind of gave him the go ahead. And remember this with your own clients. But I gave him the go ahead. I said, "Look, if it needs to be done, if it's maintenance, let's do it. I would rather yeah. pay less now than more later." And they were like, "Oh, that's a good attitude, sir." Well, I come back <laughs> and the jokers, the hose bags, put some new wiper blades on my car. I'm looking at the item, and it's like twenty four bucks for some blades, and they're these little wimpy leaf looking things. And it's like, dude, if you're gonna like, first of all, I didn't. Why did I need new blades? You know. <laughs> And second of all, if you're going to put them on and charge me that, I want those big old monster ones you see at AutoZone where it's like – Give me the monster blades. So when I go mudding, uh, (laughs) I can wipe it right off. Okay, so what so, were we talking about? Yeah, I don't remember, but cars and <laughs> – well, but put it this way. Um, you know, in the days when I was freelancing, there would be times where the car Sometimes. would surprise you like that and it would wipe yeah. you out, you know? Yes. Especially yeah, so- if it just purchased some gear and uh, didn't have it. You definitely have to save up for those rainy days, and I'm and I'm glad that I, I I've I'm, I've been learning to do that, you know, in the last few years. And you just have to do that as a freelancer of any kind. And when you run your own photography business, you have to do that. And uh, it's just good to do, and no matter no matter what you're in, even yeah. if you have a full time job. But but freelancing can be a lot different because uh, the downtime for one, when you worked, when you used to, when you work a full time job, you work usually five days a week, and you have your two days of downtime on the weekend, and you can usually pretty much relax on those. Days downtime days because you've worked hard those five and you know five more coming after that and um so these are you you can really kick back and relax whatever unless you're just a workaholic like a lot of people i know and you can't even relax on those two days Mm -hmm. but um freelance is a lot different because when you do have the slow times they just come at random times and you're you're right you don't know when the next job is ever going to come but it's always going to be that way something falls through at the last minute or right so you really just do have to learn to relax during um the downtimes no matter no matter when they are and learn to accept those and just and just know that the, the that the business will come back around again especially like with me even just being in it two years i'm going to have repeat customers um that are going to come back around and i'm going to do some of the same kind of projects maybe that i did last year for some of the same people and then so that's already good that's something i didn't sure. even have my first year and then on top of that i'll have new business um of all different kinds that because that that's happened every single year so um i think if you just keep really 
pushing it, 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 you know, like we've discussed a million times, at being your very best and, and staying positive and focusing on on keeping the business alive and running and, and doing whatever you have to do to make that happen, that, that it will happen. Um, <laughs> well, it's also important not to forget, and I can't remember what they call this in more corporate terms, but basically training and uh, – you know, that kind of thing. So like, you know, you got some downtime and let's say you wanted to get really good at, you know, I don't know, low light photography or still life or people, right. or, you know, whatever your project is, keep those listed and be ready to start working on this. Cause that can be a seed planter too. You can widen your palette sometimes when it's slow. Yeah. I know um, one thing that I've always done and, um, lately I've been working more on new business this month than, than I sometimes do, but sometimes in downtime throughout the year, I will, I will do just that. If I've been thinking of a project, whether it's getting out of the house and going somewhere and shooting it that's a that's a personal project that's a great time to do it um to take a week off and say okay i know it's slow during this time so i'm going to take this week off and, and go here and do this and mm-hmm. uh you can usually even convince your spouse that it's a pretty good idea because it can be if you if you take a vacation that you can write off that you can go and shoot stuff that you can come back and turn into stock photography yeah. or stay right in the house and, and even like your friend was talking about uh that he's been doing a lot of stock photography lately that's something great to do in your downtime i get a notice on, from on twitter every day from getty of what they need and a a lot of times it's like I need a small boy in Hong Kong. Well, I can't go do that. <laughs> I have one in the back. <laughs> but I can do a <laughs> Hey Hong Kong boy. I, they, Would they you really come are, out? They really are obscure. The Getty images has a little thing that they send out to people that you know they they need images from or whatever, and it really will be like I need a catfish from Taiwan. Yeah, well, really. That's going to be impossible for me. But uh, I can do a wooden top on a table, dude. That's even <laughs> that's even funny. I mean, you think of the millions and millions and mil- probably billions of images that it, Getty has to sell that are catalog yeah. and archive for them to say this is what we need. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's got to be I something think, that I, I think that they actually get like specific requests because yeah. this is what it seems like. It's very um, obscure, kind of weird, um, you know, specific things that they ask for. Sometimes it's something I they don't a, have. I need a white bearded man in a cabin on a mountain. <laughs> and you're like, what? 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 <laughs> but they'll really ask. For, so you know, some big client called up or whatever and was like, "What all you got of white bearded older guys in cabins on mountains?" <laughs> yeah, right. Well, not much, but hold on a second. Tweet it. Tweet it. <laughs> Somebody will come up with it. The power of Twitter. And they'll get it. They'll Exploiting get it. hardworking With, photographers everywhere. Within the week, they'll have Getty somebody images. on that. Because there's probably sure. some old guy in a that with a beard in a cabin that will be like, I'll take a picture of myself. It, you know who it is? Is the uh, the double rainbow guy. Oh, yeah. Double rainbow all the way. <laughs> it's wow. so beautiful. I'll, I'll take that picture. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy, oh he rode God, his 15 minutes, picture. didn't he? Yeah, and he was happy the whole – that's the kind of attitude we need to have is double rainbow. I wonder if he attitude. remembers his 15 minutes of fame. He may not. He's he, probably having like a bad acid flashback right now. Just, he may have stoned right through it. Who knows? But <laughs> I don't know. That guy seems on cloud nine for living in like a trailer on top of a mountain, you know, and uh, he's just like – the happiest dude I know. I you know it's, like, it, it's funny because you know the whole concept of the internet meme, and you know we've had memes before, and and certain memes are lucky enough to have a second comeback of memedom, like right. Tron guy. Did you like, see the thing on him recently? No. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't know who Tron guy is, go Google him. He's like this. I guess he's a computer programmer or something with a body that does not need to be in tights. And he <laughs> became very famous for, you know, handcrafting his own Tron costume. And, <laughs> and then when, of course, Tron 2 Legacy comes out. Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, first of all, his costume lights up. It's got lights on it. And um, 
he lives, I don't remember where he lives, but anyway, he had consulted the local theater, let them know he was coming, and they denied him entry in costume because it would disturb others watching the movie. Well, they finally repealed it because all of a sudden the 15 minutes of fame are extending into 30 at this point, but separated mm-hmm. by about 10 years. Anyway, so uh, anyway, he ended up getting to do it. And then his famous quote was, I can't help but think I had something to do with Disney deciding to make a sequel to this. <laughs> it's like, okay, and 15 are up. <laughs> 57, Oh, my gosh. There's some crazy, 15. There are some crazy people out there. Oh, my. It's uh, – I'm just glad they're not us. <laughs> we need to be a meme. We're not weird enough to be a meme. Like, I need to dress like Cinderella or something. I, want, I really want to get weirder. We have memed ourselves into a pretty big hole here. At least we have a, a few followers on this show. That can just be our – that can be our fame that we're happy with. See, I don't think photographers could be a meme. Now, unless you go discover the weird. And I've known photographers who do thing, these kinds oh, of yeah. things. Yeah, oh, know? yeah. Tons of photographers have been known for, for the weird. In fact, um, do you know, uh, hesitate to say his name without asking him, but Phil Hollenbeck? Um, I know of him. He is master of the. I mean, he was early on the Burning Man scene. Of course, now everybody does. Oh Burning yeah, Man. yeah, yeah. I saw him do a presentation at DSVC and and show uh, Burning Man images. No, he he did that at least twenty times. But yes, you you. Uh, <laughs> I was at one of them. <laughs> you were Burning one of, Man is crazy. Well, yeah, but I, I tell you, I, if, I would love to go to Burning Man. If you can go on a road crazy. trip with Phil, he knows. I mean, he'll make Burning Man look like you know Walmart. I mean, it, it's it's like. He'll go on the off-roads, and he'll know a guy in a bait-and-tackle shop who sells pink hats out of the back and is a complete weirdo. You know, I mean, he he knows where everything is. and That's pretty cool, though, really. I mean, that's the kind of guy. Yeah, that's my point. If you're a photographer, yeah. Yeah, you need to, you need to like, start looking for the, the offbeat, you know. Take, take me out of the normal. But, yeah, some of the pictures that they get back from that Burning Man are so cool because it's such a crazy scene. And it's out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the desert, and with these – uh, sandstorms, and then everybody's dressed half naked and painted and drugged up, and they they build like the most amazing, <laughs> huge uh, structures. You know, damn hippie sculpture. I know it's crazy though. Yeah, it does look awesome actually. But it would be, it really would be fun to photograph. You'd have to take a camera that you could pretty much just destroy. I think. Uh, yeah, if you're in the desert and it gets hot and cold and sandy and. Yeah, I don't, if you're I, listening to this and you don't know what Burning Man is, just go to burningman.com. Basically, it was it's 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 more or less a ritual that's become this huge thing. It's become a city, and I think the st- I'm probably going to get half this wrong. So if you're a burner and you're listening, feel free to you know slam me in the yeah uh, email but, Ted, not me. Yeah, well, but anyway, I, I, the guy who started it, I think he'd broken up with his long term girlfriend or something, was really depressed, and these guys decided to take their buddy out to the desert and they would have kind of this awakening. Uh, rejuvenation process that you know, so in, 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 in the festival always ends with burning an effigy. There's a burning man, so he's made of straw, and they light him up, and it's he's, an effigy it's of huge. this guy. It's gotten to be huge. This yeah, burning. so it's caught on, and, and it really is a city. I mean, there's several tens of thousands of people that. Well, the burning man the itself, the statue thing that they burn at the end, made of wood or whatever, it's always gigantic as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is is just you go out there and be free and be weird and and have a rebirth. I like the the concept of it. I think it's really cool, but uh, never been. No, I've never been either. But it really would be fun to to go take pictures of. I think I just don't know yeah. if my wife would go for that, honey. There's only going to be only half the women are nude. Yeah, only it, half of them in all uh, drugs. Baby, there's some boobs out there, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to look at them. Okay? <laughs> I'll shoot if, I see a, if I see a boob, I'm going to look away. <laughs> I'm going to get a picture of it, and then I'm going to look away. Well, my right? biggest thing is like finding the time because I think 
I mean, you probably go out for a few days, but I think the whole thing is a couple of weeks and, and, uh, yeah, but I, I could just go for like two days. That'd be cool. Yeah. Let's talk about this some more together. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure a way out there. Uh, we'll get a group together from this whole deal and, and we'll do burning man. We have to have at least one burner who's listening. Yeah, well, I just want to do like a van trip out into the middle of nowhere of some sort. Like uh, I've been trying not? to push my friends to go to 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 like Big Ben here in Texas. It's kind of like a you know a little Rocky Mountains, or it's like a no, like a um, what am I thinking of? Grand Canyon, yeah, it's little like Grand, a mini Canyon. Grand Canyon, yeah, and or just that part of Texas with Marfa and Alpine and, and Fort Davis. It's just kind of the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's um, beautiful out there. Well, it's yeah. so. I mean, Texas is a gigantic state, and you know it's so much different than it is here. I mean, you yeah, know, if, you, if you've seen the movie No Country for Old Men, that's the part of the Texas that I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, yeah, it's just out in the middle of nowhere. I went to camp in Fort Davis when I was in sixth grade. Really? Yeah, th- that we're a, really drifting a, from photography. <laughs> we really are. I, I can tie it in. But I'm just, well, well we're, no, is uh, in Texas, and well, Marfa right now uh, is is kind of like Santa Fe, New Mexico for Texas right now. It's kind of like a place where a lot of artists are going and camping out and setting up shop, and and it's and so a lot of photographers and things are flocking there because not only is is the terrain and the territory kind of um, really different, but uh, the town has become very artsy itself. Well, it, it, it's it's. Yeah, and you know Donald Judd lived there, and his foundation is set up out there, and they have a big scholarship for artists, and that's one of the things that brings a little bit legitimacy to the the you know Donald Judd did the squares. He's the minimum. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, in fact uh, the Chinati Foundation. A friend of mine at work uh, was one of their artists last year, the year before, and yeah, he got to go on this six week. You know, basically, you go out there and they, they you paint for six weeks, and then you give an exhibition, and it's amazing. Yeah, but you know that that ties in perfectly to the to the downtime thing that we were talking about. Then in, in the downtime, instead of sitting at home and um and, and worrying the whole time about this and that, and when the business is going to come, go ahead and, and and take a week or whatever, and uh, and hit the road and go take pictures the whole time. You will be working, you'll be shooting, and it's something right. that you can bring back, and it can be your own personal stuff that maybe you can do something with one way or another with your portfolio. Or a gallery showing, maybe if it's yeah, cool recharge enough. the batteries. Recharge know? the batteries, totally, and that totally recharge. I just went away this weekend to uh, to Whitney, Texas. It, it, it's uh, Whitney? To, to, uh, well, it's it's um, kind of near Waco. Okay, kind of near Temple. Yeah, kind of near Temple, Central Texas. But um, there's a big dam there and a lake, and it's and it's pretty. But what was so cool about the weekend was um, that the town is just kind of old, and there's a lot of old stuff there and it's kind of you know behind time which is cool to me there's just a lot to, to see and on top of that it was rainy and foggy the whole weekend hmm. and um i was trying out a new app on my iphone um or, or i was not a new app it's the hipstamatic but there's a new film selection on there that kind of oh, makes yeah. these these sepia tone looking uh uh you know, images that kind of have a film border that I just really dug. So it fit perfectly with this kind of rainy, dreary, foggy weekend in the middle of nowhere, you know, on this lake with this big dam and stuff. It was cool. just kind of, yeah, I just came back kind of rejuvenated from that. And that's just two days and that's just my camera phone. Yeah. And, and it's uh, a drive, you know, it, it's interesting. I, well, this weekend family emergency, but you know, I went to Indiana uh-huh. and of course this time of year, of course the snow is intense up there and we right. none here. And so anyway, so the plane's landing, it's coming through the clouds and you know, it's coming into Fort Wayne there and uh, which is largely rural area of Indiana. 
and you're coming in and it's just this sheet of white on the ground with these little barns and reds. It's just, it's like a grandma Moses painting or something. It, right. You know, the people I was with, they all just get cracked up that I, I, I get so fascinated with Amish and with barns and with it's, but I don't have that culture where I am, you know? No, that's the whole thing. I, I you, yeah, you're totally, you're hitting it there. I think get outside of your element whenever right. you're kind of in a funk or uh, a time where you need to be really re-energized and get those batteries going again or whatever, or just some inspiration. Get out of wherever you are. We live in the city, so we see this all the time. When sure. when I went out to Whitney, that's what I'm getting at. It's rural. And when you went to, to Indiana, it's just totally not our element, especially with all that snow and everything. So everything is just visually totally attractive. Yeah, I mean, farms and it, snow, you know. Yeah, farms and snow. You're like, wow, everything you're looking at is like, that's a picture, that's a picture. I'm like constantly – if I'm not taking a picture, I'm like, that's a picture, that's a picture, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're constantly <laughs> – you're right, you're seeing out, it. I literally say that out loud till people move away from me. Uh, yeah, because uh, you're seeing I mean, that's what you you do as a photographer is you see things, you know. And yeah, I see things all the time. You're I looking for it. Um, you, you know, it, it, well, it brings up an interesting point because, like, it, it, this isn't anything I've ever said on the show or anything. But like, one of the things that when I start getting burnt out, I start I kind of look at my surroundings, and I live in a very interesting area of town. You know, it's an old industrial section with you know old factory buildings and things. And so I, I kind of like I try to challenge myself. Okay, I've seen this over and over. How can I see it differently? And actually, I think that's the hardest thing you can do as an exercise to break out of a rut you know? mm-hmm. and i'm just talking about shooting around my house but no that's in general like say you shot anything all the time okay yeah. the hard one of the hardest things to do is to come back to that same thing and say how do i shoot this again in a new way absolutely but it's not necessarily that that way when you take yourself outside of those elements well most of what we do can be i mean especially like if you if you're a wedding photographer i mean Weddings kind of have a similarity to them. I mean, it's different right. people, but it's the same ceremony and, you know, right. same party. Well, I've same seen music. one of these before. Wonder what's going to happen. Are they going to cut the cake? <laughs> Wait, you don't think they're going to cut the cake, do you? <laughs> I better get over there for that awesome cutting the cake picture. <laughs> well, seriously, I mean, that's just kidding. Those kinds of, of things, or if you do product shots or if you do corporate headshots, or whatever it is. Uh, even if you're just doing fine art stuff like I do, you end up kind of with a lot of the same subject matter because it's something you're interested in, which mm-hmm. it, it's a two-headed sword because <clears throat> on one one side, you do want to do serious work and you do want to do um, you know, a, a subject and, and look at it from every angle. But and but yeah, but that's what gets hard. But like a simple thing like we're saying is just, just go to another city that <laughs> looks different, you know? Yeah, just yeah. go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah even, even if you live in a city and you go to another city, it's so uh, – everything's new. Every building. Building's new. Every street is new. Sure. Uh, the people look different. I mean, everything is just a little bit different. Um, and cities are so different from one another uh, photogenically. Uh, like, if I go to San Francisco, it's like, oh my gosh, there's just one thing after another to photograph. If I go to Seattle, there's like this right. fish market, and and everything there is, is really different. And and then you know, if you go up east to New York or Chicago, or I mean, all these places are just so different. But then at the same time, if you just drive out into the middle of the woods or or to a small country town, these things can be just as inspiring. And I really almost prefer those things. Like when I was out there this weekend, I was out by a lake and I was standing there and I could not hear a single thing it's for nice, isn't it? miles. And the and the lake was so calm that as far as I could see, there was not like a single ripple. I mean, hmm. I threw like a rock into the lake and it rippled. It made the whole lake ripple. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was crazy. And then you got all this fog and this quiet, and and then it, you know, like like you were saying, you just have all these little um, little country town stores with an old broken down truck out front with some old gas pumps, and then you got this this you know this old dam. I don't know. It just everything was very interesting. And then all the trees are dead. Even that's just you know a lot of people say, well, that's ugly and nasty but to a photographer that's it's artistic and it can be really beautiful and stuff so well the idea uh, is like it's something that's new to you you know and if you live in the country then go to the city and experience that yeah country people right now are going what (laughs) i'll give him my old truck (laughs) well seriously i mean that's what they tend to do when you go hang out with i mean it's the same when people come here like they're like wow whoa look at these buildings this is amazing yeah so just get out of your element yeah, I mean, people come here and visit, and it's like, uh, you know, oh my gosh, this, and it's like something, well, I see this all the time. I don't want you to, you know. I always drive 85 miles an hour with 300 cars around me doing the same speed. Why are you throwing up in the back seat? Get my gun out of the glove box. <laughs> it's like the Steve Martin movie, L.A. Story. It's open season on the 101. Get that gun out of the glove box, and they're all firing at each other. Hey, something uh, I was going to bring up real quick because yeah. you were talking about the documentary you had seen, and of course I watched like at least one a week probably. I've tried to find almost every single docu- uh, photography documentary I, I can on Netflix now that I can rent them the discs in the mail and get them streaming through oh, um, yeah. you know, Got to. Netflix um, streaming. But um, two that I watched, I think – I may have rented them through a disc, but two that were really good that I watched this week were both kind of on war and, and things in different countries. One is just called War Photographer, and um, I don't know. I don't think I sent you a, a trailer for this, but it was really good. And it's just it. about it, you've seen it. It's, yeah. yeah, it's about a photojournalist who has pretty much gone from one for one war to the next for like his entire life since he was twenty. Yeah, you know, well, now he's like now he's like fifty or sixty or whatever, and. Um, just it, and as he kind of talks and walks you through the whole process, there's a lot of footage of him actually being there. There's footage of like one of his friends that's another photographer getting shot while he's you know in one of these countries and they're they're photographing a riot and stuff like this or whatever, and just all the kind of stuff that goes through like that. And then major wars, you know, landing in helicopters with troops and running out. And then it just shows the actual stills, the pictures through time, and it's just really well done and it's amazing. And it kind of makes you think, God, oh, what kind of person does that? And could I even ever do that if I had the opportunity or would mm-hmm. I you know I don't know it's just kind of mind-boggling that that type of person and they put themselves in danger to to get pictures and um to kind of bring back the stories of these soldiers and and um these different wars and things and it's it's just amazing so that one's pretty cool the other one is called uh the devil uh came on horseback and it's about a guy who was a marine when he got out of the marines he saw an ad in the paper for a, a, a photographer to be a peacekeeper or to um to actually um go over to africa to the far and 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 be on the watch for any uh, war to break out again because they just signed like a, a, a peace treaty back in like 2003, 2004, whatever. So he had never even had a camera in his hand before this time. He was just hmm. a Marine, but he starts taking pictures over there and actually uh, a part of Africa um, starts uh, kind of a genocide on another part right. and he starts to document all that. And uh, even though the pictures were um, – 
it's supposed to be classified for the for the UN's purposes. That they never showed the picture, so nothing was getting done about all this genocide going on. So he just went public with it when he came back to America and wow. took the walked into the New York Times and laid the laid the pictures down on the guy's desk and said, "Print all these so that something will be done." And started all this uh, whole movement of uh, save Defar and you know. Uh, peace over there and all this kind of stuff, whatever. Just start a whole movement for people to start noticing that kind of thing. So, um, it's pretty amazing what what a picture can do, even a single picture that grabs you know the attention of the public is what both of these kind of documentaries were kind of showing me. Um, hmm. That people might not notice something's going on in the country until you know one um, one picture really grabs the, the the entire world and kind of starts showing them, and people start acting on that. You know. Um yeah, I'm going to have to – the second one I'm not familiar with. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, if you look at like – I think there's kind of a golden age where, you know, there was this kind of this glamorization of, of people who were war photographers and that would mainly be World War II and around that period. Right. Where Life Magazine was, you know, for the first time ever was able to get uh, pictures to people of what front lines actually looked like. You know, and, and Robert Kappa um, being kind of one of the biggest names in that comes to mind. If you're not right, familiar uh, with it, war photographer, he wins the uh, Robert Kappa Award like four and there times. There's an award, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Robert Kappa. If you're not familiar with Robert Kappa, uh, check him out. He, uh, oh my gosh, uh, I don't even know where to start. He's probably most known. Well, there was a controversial photo he did that was published um, of a soldier at the moment he's being hit with uh, right. gunfire, and I can't remember where it was. It's and, the Spanish. Uh, yeah, you're right. Spanish Revolution, of, but I can't remember what year. And he, anyway. He's kind of falling back as the bullets hit, hitting him. Right, and there's some controversy controversy as to where whether Kappa had set that shot up or not. But either way, it was one of the first times that had ever been published where somebody sees the brutality that is war. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> um, He's also, uh, I think his most famous set was uh, the uh, D-Day invasion photos. The, he was the photographer who went out. Um, there's a lot of misinformation that goes around about that. The, the photos are extremely moving to our eyes in this day, but at the time, actually, he he went out. A lot of times he would – his idea was, okay, I am not any different than a soldier in this. I'm just reporting. And so you put me in harm's way. I, I'll wear the same gear. I'm going to get in the same battle. I won't have a gun, but I'll have a camera, you know, right? which is really interesting. Anyway, so he would do this. And so anyway, so he he went on the beach invasion of Normandy on D-Day. And got these wonderful shots. And what happened was they. And when they came off the boats and they didn't come off the right way and he didn't get the exact right, he asked them to go back onto the boat and then come back out and do it again. Yeah, I think so. And then he got the right shot. And then that's, yeah, that's why. No, I'm just kidding. But that's the whole concept (laughs) behind behind the guy that got shot. Like they would, like he would go to the Spanish, you know, revolutionary soldier or whatever. Can you go back and get shot one more time? I didn't get it really. A little more drama this time. Yeah, well. Action. What's interesting, though, is is the deadline to get those in the magazine uh, was really tight, and they had to get them on a boat, get them over. He did not do the processing, and they went to some lab. Well, apparently what happened is this kid who was processing the film put them in the dryer to get them oh, dried quicker and bake them. I mean, you know, ruined, ruined them. And w- all the film. <clears throat> well, no, he didn't ruin it. I mean, they came out, but when you look at the – just Google. Do an image search on Robert Capadide. And, well, I uh, thought that he ruined all the, all the film but one role. Uh, some of it uh, – that, that's possible. But the st- my point is the stuff that survived has this look to it oh, yeah. that completely captures how intense that moment is. Of course, Kappa didn't think so at the time, and I'm sure a head or two rolled for this mistake. But 
you couldn't re- I know people who have tried to recreate that look and <laughs> you can't I mean what you have to be you to recreate it you have to be on a beach in wartime with like sand and water splashing on you well no and, no I'm talking about just the look of baking oh the look from burning it yeah they've tried to cook them they've tried to you know and it, it's almost impossible to do and and so I it, a lot of it depends on the quality of film you had at the time and you know I, nobody knows really what was done with it but uh, but anyway it's quite interesting and um, yeah you can't quite recreate create that exact process of all that yeah and you know Henri Cartier-Bresson was a war photographer also and, and and you know part of that golden era I think one of the more interesting figures to me is somebody like Lee Miller who started her career as Man Ray's assistant and they it was his girlfriend also and it was uh-huh. part of this whole surrealist movement and then kind of she gets older decides she wants to go in documentary war photography and ended up quitting it just changed her she couldn't do it you know yeah well that's kind of a di- that's a little bit different than the surrealist thing uh considerably but I mean, i've, I've I heard of other a, people i just do. had a new idea this one's going to be a little bit more dangerous <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've I've heard that happen to a lot of people though. That, that like being on front lines and actually photographing in those situations just it changes. I mean, like you're talking about the guy in Darfur who who was shooting. I mean, right? I don't know how. I, I think that would move me in a way that it may not be a good thing. You know, I mean, it's really important stuff, and I'm not diminishing that at all. But I don't know how you could be the same if you'd seen something like that. You know? No, he wasn't. He wasn't at all, and it, yeah. he was very disturbed by it. I mean, there's like a whole scene in the movie where he's just in the back of the car and he breaks down crying, and we're talking about like a hardened marine here. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Uh, but one of the things that, that he hated the most, it takes a certain kind of person to be a journalist, I think, the, uh, the, a photojournalist out there with a camera. Sure. And um, the one thing in, in war photographer that you see is that he would get involved sometimes. Like a lot of photographers just want the shot. They don't care if a guy does get stampeded to death or beat to death yeah. or whatever. They want They want the shots of that. And so it's almost like a, a thing they're they're kind of hoping for. They wouldn't say that, but they well, are. Or, or the, what you're talking about is they, it's, it's their duty to stay out of the way. They're only right. there. They, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, yeah they're, they're not taking sides. He would actually – there's a couple of cases where there's – while he's taking pictures, he's come to the rescue of a man who's like being beaten to death, clubbed to death and stuff by a mob. And he is, you know, gets down there with his camera, and, and, and he stops the mob from beating this guy. And that's kind of the, the thing that makes this particular photographer and this documentary a little bit unique is it, it, you could tell he really had a conscience and he really had a heart. And where do you draw that line of, of where you, you step in and, and, and stop things from happening sometimes? But you know, he took his life in his own hands a couple of times and really did that, and it's you know pretty – pretty crazy thing to watch but the the other one the devil came on horseback um th- that guy was an ex-marine so he really wanted to do something uh, he was like right. somebody take this camera from me and give me a gun but he couldn't do that and nobody would and um so well, some of it is is realizing that higher calling and that that okay there is something i could do and it's 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 with these pictures you know? and that's what he did he had yeah. taken all these pictures of this genocide happening nobody in the world knew about it so we took them back to the u.s and turned them into a major paper and they i've they got to watch that man yeah that's pretty interesting too because it just you know that's that's when it starts getting people's attention other you know than that just no one knows what's going on in the world kind of unless somebody's there to to document it so well we're waxing poetic here but i mean i think that's one of the most that's that's the thing about photography that sets as an art form away from painting or something like that is that yes it has this uh, this ability to document and to show what exists um whereas painting more or less is a representation of that um and i think you have a the side of photography that you can't get with any other art form you know and they've tried sending some painters into the battlefield (laughs) <laughs> it just takes too long, bro. It just—I mean, you're—he's the, there, you know, getting out his watercolors and stuff when he when he takes one to the shoulder, you know. Better and start then, sketching. 
sketch boy. <laughs> hey, you know, instead of like photographers, they can send like those court reporter sketchers into battle. Oh, even that, man. even that would probably take too long <laughs> with their markers. And- <laughs> so yeah, so we're it, man. We're 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 the only, you know we're the the first ones they call besides the Marines. Well, you know, and I don't mean to totally say it because there are things about other art forms that that can capture an essence that photography destroys. Oh. You know, what I mean, but. Uh, you know, you do have that whole journalistic side to it. Which when it is, comes uh, to war, we've got it. We've got it. We got you covered, baby. Yeah, that's right. We got the market corner. Uh, you got a pick of the week, dude. Um, you yes. like that segue? That was real smooth. I know. What's your pick of the week? Yeah, done. What's uh, your pick of the week? Well, the one thing that I want to do, I've been getting a lot of requests. Well, I always do as a photographer, and you probably do this too. Ted, I'm going to buy a camera because uh, I'm about to go to Puerto Rico. What camera <laughs> should I buy? You need a Puerto Rican camera. Well, how <laughs> that will so, shoot Puerto Rican so light. It's kind of a pretty open question. You're going is, to Puerto Rico. I don't know how long. Okay, well, wait a minute. Before we go on, I'm not laughing at anyone by doing no. that, but it's a hard question to answer. It is a hard question That's to answer, I'm and I'm glad you come to a professional. There's somebody who can laugh at you. <laughs> what is your advice there? No, Aiden? one of uh, one of them is uh, Patrick. Uh, you know, our friend Patrick. He's about to go to Italy or something. Oh, or, Patrick. Patrick. So he asked Fabian, and Fabian asked me what camera he should take. But I don't know how into photography Patrick is. Dude, those how, guys are tools, man. How? <laughs> Sorry, I hope he didn't listen. He, this is like one of our best friends. So pardon us. Yeah. Kicked. Oh, anyway, well. um, but yeah, but I don't know. The thing is, is I don't know when when people ask me this question, how much experience they have with a camera, right. uh, what they want to take pictures of, how mobile they want to be, all these kind of things. But this is what I want to tell people: if you have the money, um, no matter Buy how experienced you are, whatever, um, the camera that I would recommend to everyone this year. Uh, if you don't shoot anything yet and, and you really don't have anything but maybe a point and shoot or a point and shoot is great to take on a vacation, of course, take that. Uh, take your uh, camera phone if you have that. You're going to probably use that a ton. If I went on a vacation right now, I'd be using that a, a ton. But if I was going to take a professional to semi-professional camera uh, with me right now, um, the Nikon D7000 came out this year, and that's what I'm telling everyone across the board and everyone on this podcast. Dude, I don't um, even know you. I don't know who you are. What are you talking about? <laughs> you just recommended a camera, the be-all, end-all at that. I know, well, we're not supposed to do this kind of stuff, but I've been getting this question a lot lately, so I'm going to do it. So this is my pick of the week. Would you, you would you recommend that for your mom? Plus, I'm trying to get a sponsorship from Nikon. All right, all so right. Anyway, no, I shoot, I shoot Nikon or whatever, and this isn't a plug or anything. Can I counter this, you when you're done I'm with I'm telling this? a lot of people. I, I I've been getting this question a lot, so I want to tell those people and the people listening who may be they may, may be going to Puerto Rico next week, they're wondering what camera to buy, and they have twelve hundred dollars. Well, guess what? The D seven thousand costs twelve hundred dollars. It's a sixteen megapixel camera, and it shoots uh, was it ten twenty ten eighty i? Is it you know more stuff about that? The video <laughs> HD it shoots, shoots cartoons. It, it shoots cartoon resolution <laughs> HD video. Anyway. That's the camera I recommend, and that's my. All right, all right. Now I'm not taking away from your thunder, but but okay. I'd, I'd completely counter that. Oh, try. Go ahead. No, I mean seriously, I would not recommend a DSLR to. Uh, I mean, not to everyone. I mean, well, not to everyone, but no, that's that's my pick. That's my camera of the year. All right, that's, yeah, that's, okay, that's my. That's oh, that's my your, oh, that's your that's your and grand pick. If you're, a, if you're a starter. Or uh, like me, I, I shoot a D ninety right now. But if I could, you don't have it. a D seven thousand. No. How are you picking it? You don't even have one, dude. 
I've, I've, touched, <laughs> I've touched one. I've, I've looked through. <laughs> I've looked through it, I, and then I've done it just a ton of research on it online, and everybody's saying it's awesome. Well, and that's that's the camera that I want to buy. But even if you were just starting out, that I think it's easy enough. To, even for someone just starting out to, uh, you know, of course we always recommend start out with the most basic camera you possibly can. But if you were wanting to get serious about photography and have a camera that had all the functions to get you where you needed to be uh, professionally and you wanted to have a camera for, say, three years or longer or whatever, that would this would be a great camera to, to, to go with. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... Personally, I'd say, well, it, this is from my own experience. No, go ahead. Rebuttal. It depends on what kind of a trip you're going on and how serious you are about shooting. Yeah, if you're going to shoot stock for a magazine or, you know, that didn't make any sense. If you're going to shoot a professional job, sure. But, but my problem is, is like sometimes you go on vacation, especially if you're with other people. Hmm. And it's like lugging gear around. Man, I'm over that, dude. Oh, yeah. It's like take your That's iPhone. Say, yeah, you, you have to have, you, you know, if you want to go small, of course, go with a uh, – a pocket camera or or your or your cell phone camera of course yeah i mean that but if you're if you're going to take it up a notch if you're going to go to the next <laughs> level Ted, you, gotta, you, gotta you can get some beautiful <laughs> i quit i quit sorry dude, i'm being I a jerk to you dude i don't I mean to show. <laughs> he's gone he's out. i'm back Oh, I'm well, good. I retired and I can't, right. I couldn't handle it. So, okay, first of all, I got I called Patrick a tool and I got caught up and then right. I was mean to you. I apologize. Yeah, yeah you're getting it now, dude. Yeah. What do you have? What would okay? I want to give you this question, Go Ted. Ahead. My name's Wade. I'm going to Puerto Rico next week and I don't know what camera to take. What should I take? Don't or buy. Just just freaking give up now. Don't, oh. You're just going to hate yourself. You'll, you'll, Don't even go? You won't sleep. No, go on the trip. Just give up photography. <laughs> oh, it's it's too much hassle. It. You know no. how many people are out there taking pictures of Puerto Rico? A million. Dude, honestly, I mean, I'm serious. It's just like part of the problem is is that the last couple times that drove me to this opinion, I, I can't, and this is, I know it's stream, but if you, if you carry around a Canon 5D with the motor drive and some Mondo lens, it is such a kludgy thing to carry around all the time. Um, anymore, it's like whatever's going to get the shot quickly. And if I'm shooting a yeah. film camera, if that's a Holga, fine. If it's a Nikon F3, which is one of my favorite cameras ever, fine. Right. Um, do something that's just going to get the shot. Uh, you know, if you if you're a digital guy, I would get a point and shoot that rocks. I mean, you can yeah. buy awesome point and shoots right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess, you, I'm, you, I guess I'm talking to someone who is maybe maybe a little bit more serious about photography. Uh, they're gonna maybe, do something after Puerto Rico. Is that what you're telling me? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and maybe they're wanting. To, maybe they're really interested in photography. Maybe they want to start taking lessons. Maybe they want to start learning more. And, Mexico and City's in the cards. Because I mean, the one other thing about it is that it's super lightweight. That it's super quiet. That it's super easy to use. Sure. Um, and that you can. It has interchangeable lenses and things like this. If you you know. Uh, wanted to shoot architecture, you could take a well. You know, once again, we're talking to somebody who's maybe a little has a little bit more experience. Well, and that's why I was teasing you because on a vacation, I don't know why you would carry multiple lenses unless you were I mean, unless, unless you're me. Yeah, but you're different. You're not like a dude going <laughs> to Puerto different. Rico. <laughs> no, yeah, and I mean right. that in a good way. You're serious about it, and you're probably going to try to get shots that you can do something with later, and and right. it's part of who you are. That right. I would totally take a specialized wide angle. I mean, I do it, you know. Um, and but, in that case, I have a really good Canon Power Shot. There you go. That I recommend to everyone that is held up for years and takes amazing pictures and fits right in your shirt pocket. Nice. My name's Wade, and this has been the Photography <laughs> Show.
<laughs> I feel bad. I've been mean to you, dude. No, I want to hear your pick of the week, buddy. I, pick of the week. <sighs> did you have one, or you already did yours at the first of the show? Well, I did, but I'll do another one. Okay. Um, okay, uh, this is this is not a tried and true pick of the week. I'm like you in that D7000. I actually haven't touched it. Oh, right. No, you know what? Actually, I own this, so it's not like you in the D7000. <laughs> I haven't touched it. No, hold on. I uh-huh. own it. You and your okay. damn D7000. Okay, so um, look at the dudes. Okay, Ed Adams, who might be listening. Uh, Ed sent me an email and recommended I check this out. It is an app for your iPhone called Light Meter. And I literally downloaded this today, but the whole idea is that you hold it up and it like kind of reads a spot metering in the center and gives you exposure times and ISO and all that stuff. Um, I need to compare this with my other meter. If it's even ballpark, dude, if you're a film guy, this is an awesome time saver here. How much was it? Free. It's free and it's called light meter. Yes, Light Meter, and which leads to my complaint about it is it's one of those apps that's free and they do in-app advertising. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I don't give a f you know what about saving right. up to 90% on local eats while I'm putting my exposure. And what's funny? Do is they the want same you to ad. upgrade to the pro version of Light Meter? No. It's just okay. They just have the ads. Well, and you know, a lot of these developers are making a lot of money with ads. But I yeah. mean, seriously, if you want to be taken seriously, man, I'll pay for it. Don't put ads on there. I, I don't, know. I know. will pay the five dollars or whatever if it's something I really want. We, sure. we hate the ads. Build a good app, you know. But I'm not going to detract from this yet. I have not compared this to a regular meter. Ed, Ed literally sent me this link, and I sent him an email back, and I'm like, "Wow, this is interesting." And then I downloaded it, and I am checking it out. So thanks, Ed. For uh, for the suggestion yeah. there, so we'll we'll have to put that to the test and then come back next week and, and see how it did. But if if you didn't have a meter at all right now and you were kind of thinking about getting one or needed one or whatever, mm-hmm. that might be a cool place to start because I mean, yeah. it's probably at least been tested out and does a halfway decent job of some sort. So. Well, and it has a spot marked off in the center of the screen, this little red thing, and so. It very well could be a spot meter. If it's a spot meter, man, you're going to be able to use this with four by five and stuff. And seriously, it's like. If this is remotely accurate, there are times where dragging around a light meter is a little bit cumbersome, and uh, this could be a beautiful thing. So your your phone is is you're eventually you're just going to be need nothing but your phone. Yeah, I'm not interested in anything else but the phone. Um, a, a guy I've mentioned <laughs> a, a guy I've mentioned a ton of times, uh, Jeremy, today. <laughs> Jeremy Cowart, yeah, uh, who's a photographer. I mean, well, he just got back from Haiti, and he took. Did, a did he have a good time? I think he did. He asked. He called me and asked me what camera. <laughs> I told him the D seven thousand. He took it and had a wonderful time. No, I'm just kidding. None of that happened except this next part. I'm about to tell you. He took a ton of pictures. He took. He went over there to take pictures, and he took pictures with you know his his big huge fancy cameras and did all that. But he said he spent a majority of the time this time taking pictures with his iPhone using several different iPhone camera apps. Um, you know, some that we've talked about, like Camera Plus, the Hipstamatic, and then he bought uh, about 20 different other camera apps to like adjust levels and do things with color and, right. and things like this. And you can go to his website. It's, uh, I think it's just jeremycowart.com or jeremycowartphotography.com, one of those, and go to his iPhone section. It, it's a brand new website that he just had redone uh, cool. just a few days ago, and it has a new iPhone section from the pictures from Haiti. And you'll be blown away at the quality of these photos that he 
took them on the f- iPhone and he edited edited them on the iPhone with with editing apps. Man, and, it really is amazing. And they're amazing. And he he posted something yesterday on Twitter that kind of got a lot of retweets and a lot of uh, people yelling blasphemy and things like this. But he said, in the future, or as of right now, someone who is starting up can create an, a great, an entire photography portfolio with a phone. I and, agree. Um, he, and this is coming from a guy at, at the top of his game right now. In, Seriously, in, man, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so uh yeah, so you had people liking that and not liking that. Of course, the guy the guy who bought the $20,000 worth of stuff yesterday to start his business did not like that. No. <laughs> well, and, and in all but fairness, you, and of course you can't do anything, but you could start an awesome artistic photography portfolio, that is true. Yeah. Well, now in all fairness though, um the the it, you didn't say it and I'm not accusing you of doing it but but the the implication in a lot of this is that it's easy and it's on something that's very inexpensive and let's be honest the iPhone is not inexpensive you got to buy the phone and then the the data plan is so outrageous and it's not um, easy he said what it really brought no, you back was, was, was back to basics yeah. so it's if it, see the whole thing with photography is is that if you don't have an eye or you don't train your eye or mm-hmm. you don't know uh, about composition or lighting or you know any of these things or whatever yeah this is what makes good pictures so uh, you could have a great camera or you could have your phone in 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 the hands of someone who doesn't have a good eye or have any training you're going to take average to mediocre pictures or whatever yeah the same thing goes for a pro or or someone who who does have a very artistic eye or just who does take wonderful pictures if he can take it with a with a great camera he can take it with a phone because it's it's a lens and a frame that he's looking through and something that he's framing and shooting and it's you know that's what it is so it can it can do the same thing yeah yeah i mean i you know, my personal work, I think some of the best digital photos that I've taken have been on my phone, no question. Yeah. And I own expensive, you know, and some of the best film uh, images that I've taken have been taken on plastic cameras like Diana's and Holga's, you know. Yeah, that's why we preach that stuff so much is because it's there's really a, good, a great point there that, that um, you, you know, you can train and all these things, these professional gear. It's great for professional gigs where you need it. Right. But uh, when you're shooting a lot of your artistic stuff and even sometimes professional stuff, you can do really great, amazing artistic things with uh, plastic cameras and, and your camera phone and Nikon D7000s and the Nikon D7000 <laughs> we'll get your sponsorship in no time <laughs> <laughs> I want my sponsorship Dude, from Nikon and Flickr I, I feel and bad I, man I didn't I didn't mean to bag on your pig man I you know what I, I I think if you would go out and buy Nikon D7000 and use it for a week and then come back and talk to me there you might have a tail between your it's legs. gonna take you like three months to get one first of all <laughs> They're like completely back ordered. No, they do and look cool. awesome. They, they it looks unbelievable. Yeah. But I mean, so did a camera I guess last I year. Just started out by saying if you're wanting to buy that kind of camera, sure, a, a semi pro to pro uh, DSLR that's in that's a at a great price range. They're saying that you know it, it's it's better than some of the pro Nikon cameras out there right now because of when it came out and the and and what all is inside of it and what all it can do. Um, that's what they're saying. I guess that's. I guess that's what I'm so excited about. Who, that's what who, Nikon's saying. Who's, no, who's but, they? You know, <laughs> Ken Rockwell. <laughs> oh yes, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> Wait, you're my friend again. <laughs> and others. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't drink wine while recording the show. <laughs> I knew you were drunk. I'm back 
You're too mean to be sober. I, yeah, I'm not mean to people normally, and I have a Shiraz, and it's all over. You know, it's not only is Ted a great photographer, he's also a mean drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been the photography show. Please tune in next week, even if Ted's grumpy. I, I need to like stop talking and start drinking water, probably. <laughs> become mean i think it was a good show it, it was a, a great show, show. Oh, so wow. i've been practicing all week of how we're going to end the show do it ted do it right but i forgot what it was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> all right this once again has been the photography show and thank you for listening 